Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. My name is Mark Garrett Hayes, and it's a pleasure to have you back again this week. Today is Thursday, which means that must be another episode of the show. This is the show for training business owners all around the world, people like you and I, whose pleasure and privilege it is to help others, to transform others, to train others, to coach others, and to help people to be the very best version of themselves. And that's no tall order. In fact, it's something which you and I have decided to make a business and a career out of. And therefore, this is the reason why every single week we have an episode helping you to market your business, to grow, to scale, to start your training business, in fact, and of course, share with you the knowledge and expertise of people whom we have on the show, whom we're fortunate to have on the show as guests now and again. And today is one of those episodes. We have someone called Tim Robbins, who is a master NLP, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner in the UK. And Tim today is going to give us some background as to his story and some other kinds of advice he has about his experiences in starting and running a training business. This is episode 44. You're welcome. Thanks again for stopping by. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, as I said before the music, this is episode 44 of the podcast. This is the podcast for you as a training business owner, helping you to start to grow and to scale your training business. Today we have, as I said, Tim Robbins on the podcast. And Tim has very kindly given us nearly an hour of his time to tell us all about how he became an NLP practitioner. He's now a master NLP practitioner and how he has started his training business, the kinds of clients he currently works with and the direction in which he hopes to take his business from now into the future. So without further ado, we're going to hand across to Tim and I hope and know you'll enjoy the episode. Tim, welcome to the program. Mark, thank you for having me. So on LinkedIn, you describe yourself as an interpersonal communication skills trainer and mindset coach. That's quite a mouthful. Um, what would you say that 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 means to someone listening to this? Probably needs, uh, means I need some help with branding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what is it that I do. I do two things. I work with groups of people in group trainings, sharpening their communication skills and I work one-to-one -one with people in a coaching capacity to help them break through mental and emotional barriers that are holding them back. Okay, so what would the kinds of clients be typically? Would they be individuals or groups of individuals? So that's changed for me over the years. Um, so I was um, uh, initially a coach, uh, first certified in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, in 2003 uh, from a trainer when I lived in Bristol. I was managing a sales team at the time I was employed, and I started using NLP in my uh, in with my team, helping building confidence in my sales team uh, members. Um, I then eventually resigned from that business and decided to throw caution to the wind and um, ended up traveling to Asia. And I then you know, found myself uh, living in, in northern Thailand and um, kept meeting stressed travelers 
who were looking for something and 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 in sometimes running away from something and i started offering nlp coaching sessions there uh built up a coaching business in thailand for the seven years i lived there and so initially i was purely a coach i wasn't doing any training uh and so my clients back then were anyone anyone who was coming to thailand maybe they were coming on a retreat or they just wanted a break or they were coming for a a luxury holiday and i made myself available there as a, uh, uh, I guess, more of a life coach, you know, help you to make changes and change and break all patterns. Um, but uh, that changed as I, when I moved back to England six years ago, and I found myself um, suddenly one of many coaches and NLP practitioners. Suddenly that wasn't such a, a niche. Um and then I moved from a B2C model to a B2B, B2B model. So I uh, set up a business here and then dropped the life coaching therapy label and rebranded that as mindset, mindset coaching, uh, sometimes peak performance coaching, but fundamentally the same, <clears throat> excuse me, fundamentally the same processes of helping people get out of their own way, you know, addressing fears and worries, doubts, anxieties, frustrations, uh, the, the mental and emotional noise. Um, so that hasn't changed, but the way I the way I brand myself has changed, and also my focus. So gone from B to C to B to B. Okay, so I'm just curious. You spent seven years in in Thailand uh, running a business. Now I've I've delivered training in Thailand in Bangkok, as many people have. Um, when they come to do work in in Asia, in Bangkok or in Thailand specifically, but living and running a business for seven years um, in 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 Thailand, what was that like? Amazing. I miss it. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. You know, it's just so. So I, uh, <clears throat> after two couple of years in Chiang Mai, realised that it, it commercially wasn't a great place to be. Uh, so I moved down to the south to Phuket, far more commercial. And as you probably know, they've got a whole bunch of wellness centres there, detox centres as they call them, where you can go and de- detoxify your body. You you pay to not eat for a couple of weeks and you lose five kilos and you do yoga and meditation and learn some Muay Thai kickboxing and all these things. Uh, I And I saw the gap in the market and the gap was uh, they didn't really have many people on the island offering anything for emotional detox. So that's the market I went for. So I saw the need um, and you know they had a few counsellors there and a few talk therapies and a few more sort of like um, you know, sort of tarot card readers and clairvoyance and things. Um, but they didn't really have anyone who was specifically saying, look, you're stressed, you're anxious, you're frustrated, you're worried, you're nervous, you're doubting yourself. Come and see this guy. Mm. Okay. So that's what I based it on. So, so I had a, a never-ending flow of people who were coming to the island for their own reasons, and I was just marketing to them. So that, that was the path of least resistance. And you mentioned NLP, and that's what you were bringing to the mix, if you will. So lots of people around you in, in Chiang Mai, and then laterally Phuket, who were providing all kinds of uh, therapy or, or services, helping people to distress and, and detox. Not, dis, not distress, but de-stress. <laughs> de-stress. Um, and so coming back to NLP, uh, w- for people who aren't familiar with that term, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. You're a master practitioner, which means you're qualified to deliver this. So for someone who's not familiar with that term, what does NLP actually stand for? And what are the benefits of, say, a qualification in this for a trainer thinking, hmm, NLP could be something to have as a feather in my cap? Neuro-linguistic programming, a coin termed uh, in the in the 70s when it was created by its two founders, John Grinder and Richard Bandler. 
Uh, John Grinder was a uh, a linguist, a professor. I think he's a professor of, of linguistics. And um, Richard Bandler had more of a background in computers and systems thinking. Uh, they created a, this system together, which in layman's terms, you could say is a condensed version of techniques, models, and um, ex- um, principles that create rapid change in the mind. So it, they studied, basically, long story short, they studied three outstanding therapists who were, were getting ridiculously effective results. And they condensed, they basically modeled these therapists in action, encoded all the language they used, videoed them, broke it all down to what are these people actually doing and saying that's causing people to who've had 10, 20, 30 years of fear, phobias, problems, insomnia, whatever it is. And they've had one session two sessions, three sessions, and these problems have gone? Like, are these people magicians? Like, you know, what are they doing? And so that's really the foundation of NLP is that they, they modeled excellence in these incredibly gifted practi- uh, therapists and created a whole bunch of um, processes. And oh, so you start here, and then you say that, and then you do this, then you need to factor in that, and then you need to do this. It's like there's your recipe. And you can then take that recipe and use that in a coaching conversation. You could use it in a therapeutic context. You could use it as a manager of a team of people. You could use it as a parent with your children. You could use it as a teacher. You could use it on yourself or with a friend. So NLP is a collection of, if you like, steps, models, processes, techniques that help create change primarily in the subconscious mind. So again, think of the iceberg. Everything you see above the water, conscious mind, estimated to be about 5%. Uh, subconscious mind, everything we don't know, we don't see, but is absolutely alive and present, maybe 95%. Well, obviously, it's that 95% that's actually driving the bus, so to speak. And so it's it's making the changes at that level rather than standard coaching or standard counseling, which is useful, but it's conscious mind. So you're really holding yourself back because you're so afraid of failing. Okay, well, what do you think would be some ways that you could overcome these fears? And how? what could you tell yourself? Yeah, okay. That's quite interesting to discuss, but if I'm really, if I'm a nine out of ten afraid, having all these strategies and ideas and steps, I'm not going to even do it because I'm so afraid. I'm not having addressed the fear. It's like you're just trying to push the fear down and pretend it's not there, and you know that just doesn't really work. Whereas NLP, you could, you could, you could use NLP with somebody, and sixty minutes later, they're not feeling the fear. They're thinking about the thing. They're thinking about the next step. They're visualizing it intensely, and they'd feel no fear. I don't know why, but I just feel calm. I feel, in fact, I feel, I feel excited. That's different. You know, so you're actually creating real change in somebody rather than just trying to give them encouragement. So the neuro suggests it's to do with, with the brain neural pathways. Linguistic suggests it's to do with language and programming suggests patterns, something which with intention can actually be created to almost program thinking and program behaviors. Is that fair to say? I wish I could say it as eloquently as that. That was, <laughs> that was, that was very succinct. Okay, so what's the business application of this? Because I understand that to qualify an NLP, it's not a small investment. It's not, and that is that is a big consideration. And, and still to this day, if you look around, you're looking at two to four, five to sometimes eight, nine, ten thousand pounds for a course. You have a practitioner course, which is typically seven to fourteen days, seven to twelve days on on average. And some people say, come with us and we'll do this seven-day course. It's a seven-day back-to-back course and we're going to use NLP and how we deliver it. So you're going to take it all in subconsciously. Wham bam. Thank you, ma'am. 
Um, in my experience, I would not encourage people to go down that route. It is absolute overload. I mean, it, I mean, you could say that for anything. If you went on a seven-day or a ten-day management course, you'd just have management coming out of your ears. There's only so much you can take in before you just go, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm seeing double. So I would encourage people to find, if they do want to invest into it, find something that has got uh, this modular. So it's broken up into at least three or four or maybe five. The, the course I did has 10 modules. It was a, a weekend a month for almost a year, which was fantastic. So it's a much longer investment, but you know, you actually had a chance to digest it and get it into your understanding and practice with friends. Um, in terms of how you sell it to businesses, or well, how I sell it to businesses, I don't talk about NLP because... I mean, yes, people have much more people have heard about it now than they had 10 years ago. But still, most people, it's like, yeah, okay, I'm not sure what it is. I kind of heard it somewhere. Doesn't Darren Brown do that? Okay, is it like a sort of a magical type thing? You know, there's a lot of associations. I don't tend to focus on that. I do, I do mention it. But really what I focus on are the end benefits. Fast results. Quick changes. Let go of things that are holding you back. Breakthrough. Um, rapid change you know, concepts where people, that's more tangible for people. And they're like, okay, well, yeah, he's got, he uses this sort of NLP stuff, whatever that is. Sounds like it works. Mm. You know, don't, I would recommend, don't try and sell your techniques because people don't care. They, they care about the results. They care about what they're going to get from it rather than your methods. Right, right. Gotcha. Okay. So if someone's listening to this and thinking, you know, um, NLP, it's something I might add to my bow. It, it's a, it's not an insubstantial investment. Um, if someone's going to market this, what is the business proposition in saying investing in this and then seeing a return on investment from the qualification? Good question. See, the thing is, really, if you're studying NLP and you want to make the quickest return on investment, it would be then to use it as a coach. Because if you, so you've got three levels. You've got practitioner level, master practitioner level, and then trainer. So as a practitioner, you are that you can use it as a practitioner. As a master practitioner, you are still using it as a practitioner, what typically one-to-one, but you're more experienced. As a trainer, you can then train people in NLP to become practitioners or master practitioners. But to get to the trainer level, you're probably going to invest 15 to 20K and at least two or three years, at least. Um, so, but then you are an NLP trainer and there's a lot of those and the lot, the many of them that I do know said that it's a constant battle to fill seats to sell that because again, you're selling B2C and I would say the path of least resistance is selling yourself B2B and to, so in other words, that would be then using NLP as, um, as a coach. Now there are certainly elements of NLP you can use to make you a better trainer, but you, you know, these would be this would be sort of polishing the stone. It would enhance your appreciation of language. You'd you'd get you'd ask cleaner questions. You'd probably develop your listening skills. You'd have more of an appreciation of different learning styles. Um, so this is you know these are nice to haves, but arguably it's not essential. And so you'd be spending a lot of money to get some definitely some improvements. Um, but still, you wouldn't be training an LP. You would be training your topic, whatever it is, sales training or communication skills. Um, you'd be a, I think you'd be a better trainer. But for the money, time, and effort you're putting into it, I think there are better uh, or more cost-effective ways to become. If, if, if your goal is to become a better trainer, so you said it would be, um, it would make you a better trainer. So I'm curious, what what brought you to the world of of training? Then, 
because you you know we've come out of school we've gone through some kind of educational system third level or something else and all of a sudden that the thought occurs to someone listening to this or to you or i hey you know what i i wouldn't mind training people helping people developing people transforming people so so what did that for you being told from probably five years old oh you should be on the stage oh you should be on the stage you should definitely be on the stage one day i think he's gonna be an actor so I think, you know, I definitely have that sort of personality type. I was, you know, a class clown. I've always been very vocal. I've always enjoyed having attention. So playing to those natural patterns in me. That's not the answer that I was expecting, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, no, it's good to, it's good to hear honesty. Did you think I was an introvert? <laughs> <laughs> but that was something that stuck in my mind. And I, you know, to the fact that I do find it enjoyable. I've always found it enjoyable to connect with people and to communicate and to talk and to share, sometimes talking too much and people then don't like that. But, you know, it's sort of just a process of growing up and getting feedback from people. Um, and then combining that with the knowledge that, well, combining that with the, yeah, the, the knowledge that I, 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 I didn't make a good employee. I asked too many questions. I was, I'm, I'm not very good with following rules. Um, I don't like, I don't, um, it takes, um, it takes someone very inspirational for me to want to work for them and respect them. And so that sounds like a very harsh thing to say, but you know, it, it just does. And so I, if I had an amazing manager or leader, yes, I'll serve that person. But if they're anything less than that, um, it just doesn't work for me. And so, I, um, plus there's another part of me that's always wanted to make a difference and, you know, improve people's lives. And ever since I learned NLP back in 2003, what a gift. I could sit with friends and just offer so much more than, you know, support. I could actually help them get through challenges. And so I thought if it was an extension of that thinking, well, that's one-to-one. -one. You know, as a trainer, I could do that one to 10, one to 20, one to 50, maybe take the one to several hundred. And so there is those things coming together. Like, I, you know, I, I, I like meeting people. I like communicating. I like helping people break through. I like making a difference. Um, and also I love the energy. I really love the energy of having different personalities in the room, uh, leading people through exercises, seeing them learn and grow from and bounce off each other, debating things in the room. I, that That's very enjoyable. So your business is called Inner Leader. And I'm just thinking of the words of that as you described it to me, uh, your, your justification or or rationale for, for becoming a trainer is, is that uh, almost affirmation when you see that you've helped someone and there's a light going on in their heads and you've made a difference. So what what helped you to come up with that definition or that, that brand name, Inner Leader? Uh, that was my former wife. I, I've got to credit her. She actually came up with those two words. We were sitting there one day talking about you know, whatever it's about direction, it's about leadership, it's about making yourself better, it's about working on yourself, it's about your own mind. Um, and she just said, well, like, it's like inner, like it's like you're inner and you're a leader. It's like inner leader. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I like that, inner leader. It's a great name. And so it's a great name. I went on to uh, godaddy.com to, to look for it and innerleader.com was, uh, was taken and the innerleader.co.uk was was there for like one ninety nine. So I was like, okay, <laughs> snap that up. And the strap line is communication skills for hearts, minds, and cells. And what's the message behind that? Well, I mean, the actual strap line of the of the actual logo is communicate with influence. Um, I've got I've got the uh, heart, communication for skills for heart, minds, and sales. Again, it's just something that just just came to me. I mean, I, I don't tend to consciously play on that too much, but it's you know, it is it is it's it's all about communication. It's about people. It's about persuasion, influence. Uh, I think there's something else on my homepage. I think is it communication is the is the language of leadership. Yeah, I like that too. 
I like that. You know, and again, so to, to, again, so I'm really fascinated with leadership and exploring what that is. And, you know, typically you think about leaders as being senior people in a business. Of course, they're leaders. But of course, you can be a member in a team and be a leader. You can be uh, a leader in your family. You can be a leader in your circle of friends. You can be a leader within yourself. And so, you know, leadership is not a title. Of course, it's a, it's a mindset. It's a, it's a series of choices that you can make. Um, and so there's something in there where, that I really want to help develop that mental, neurological, emotional muscle in people. Just like a fitness trainer wants to get you physically fit and stronger. I, I'm very motivated to want to develop that leadership mindset in people, which is, you know what, I can do this. And whether I remain an employee or not, or uh, or, or whatever I'm doing in my life, I could I can do this in, in, in a more empowered, proactive mindset, for coming from that place more. So you're based in Leamington Spa in Warwickshire in England, in the Midlands of England. Um, what's it like running a business there? Because I think for a lot of people listening to this, they may not know where Leamington Spa is. Glorious place, by the way. Uh, they may have heard of Manchester or London or Edinburgh. But but what's it like running a business in the Midlands of England? Uh, it, well, it's Same it's as anywhere else, well. I guess. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's working well for me. I mean, for... for um, so, I mean, in terms of geography, it's ideal. It's just south of Birmingham. So it's just amazing whether you need to get north, east, west, or south. Uh, you can hop on a train and get into central London within an, an, an hour and 15 minutes. Or you could drive up to Manchester or in about two hours. And so it's it's pretty ideal from that point of view. Um, in my early training days, I partnered, I was an associate uh, with a company called Working Voices, who are still going very, very um very strongly in in London, uh, so I was frequently then waking up at five, catching the six fifteen train in, and getting to Marylebone for seven thirty. Then standing on a tube for half an hour, getting across to Canary Wharf, and uh, doing that two hour commute there and a two hour commute back every um, most days to deliver training for investment banks. Um, and and to begin with, that was great. Put on your suit, put on your tie, turn up in London. I suddenly felt a lot wealthier than I than I was. You know, just walking around London, you feel <laughs> you feel pretty wealthy. You know, <laughs> and I love that, and that was great for about three years. Uh, but after three years, it's like, okay, this is taking a toll. Like, there's only so many more days I've got left in me where I can put that level of um, effort into into the commute. And so these days, how do you generate the majority of your business? Because you're you're now based in Leamington Spa, not walking around London feeling wealthy. So how do you actually yeah. <laughs> get your people knocking on your door, coming to your website, lifting the phone, and, and signing you up as a as a training provider? I was looking recently at the uh, all the clients we work with, and all bar two. So I say maybe I don't know, over ten of them, but, but but let's say let's say I don't know maybe there's ten or twelve um, that. Uh, really great clients. They've all come through recommendation uh, or referral. Probably no surprise. Uh, and I think just two two clients who have been involved, who've come who've come from just random inquiries from the website. So I have the website. I have not paid any money for Google uh, AdWords. I've never done any paid promotion, and I don't say that proudly. I say that more in the sense of just that is what it is. Um, and so it's not a recommendation to do it or to not do it. It's just that I haven't done it yet. Uh, because of the referrals through um, 
doing a piece of work for a company. Maybe someone would leave that company, go to the next company, or maybe they would. I, would, I mean, I'm, 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 I have a huge habit of asking for referrals. I don't feel hesitant for that. Let's talk about that for a second. I like that. So you, you proactively decide, I'm going to ask someone to refer me rather than leaving it to chance. Because I think many people do that. They kind of hope, well, I've done my work and now someone is going to be very kind. That's the hope, isn't it? Isn't it? And then, you know, put a, put a nice word in for me somewhere, but it doesn't necessarily work that way. So let's talk about your approach to that for a moment. How do you actually go about getting up the courage? Do you ask someone for a specific referral in a particular way, or is it something that just, they just make their mind up to do? How does it work? I ask for, so initially I ask everyone for a testimonial. So I will ask, say I'm working with an HR manager, HR director, or a business owner. I once I've delivered at least, let's say, two, three separate trainings, and they've gone well. The the, the because of course giving feedback forms out of every training, and you know I love to gather the feedback, scan it, send it to the people, to, to the stakeholders, <clears throat> so that they really drive home that the results are uh, exceeding expectations. And once I've delivered, say three or four trainings, I'll say to them. Would you be happy to um, give me a, a referral on LinkedIn? Oh, sorry, a recommendation, they call it, on LinkedIn. Um, and would you be willing to write a little thing that I could put on, on websites? Um, and it's very rare that someone says no to that. I can't remember someone ever saying no. Um, or sometimes people promise and don't follow up, but you know that's, that's not the same as saying no. Um, so it's just having the, having the, I guess it's courage to say, you know, are you happy with what I'm doing? And they say, yeah, really happy. It's a great well, Would you be happy just to put a few words in writing? Yeah, of course I will. And do you provide them with a template or do you leave it up to them to decide how to write that? Actually, I wouldn't give them a template, but I would give them, um, I would say, if you could say something about, and I'll just give three little bullets, like the um, uh, the reason you brought me in, uh, the feedback you, you've had of the, tr- of the training itself, and the, the impact it's made for the business. You know, so, you know, we, we had this situation with so-and-so declining sales and lack of motivation in the team. We brought Tim in. Everyone found the team training thoroughly engaging and da 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 And since then, we've seen these changes in behaviors and results. Okay, so that, that sounds like challenge, solution, result. That's the typical template, isn't it, where someone explains the situation prior to Tim or to anyone else listening to this coming in. The solution is what they did, and the result is the benefit they got having applied the yes. training. Okay, I like yes. that. I like that. Uh, so with every coaching session that I do, so if I come into a company and I might coach three, four, five people in a day, uh, every single person, even if it's the first coaching session, I'll give them a business card. In fact, I'll give them two and I'll say, you know, well, and one, once I've asked them, you know, has this session been valuable? They go, oh yeah, fantastic. It's great. I feel different. This is good. And I'll say, oh, look, do you know anyone else in any other businesses who might benefit from this? And people go, oh, God, my wife, she works for so-and-so, and my husband works for so-and-so, and my mom, my friend, I think she, she was talking to me about this just a few weeks ago. Here's a couple of cards. Would you please do me a favor? And I'll make it very clear. Could you? It would really help me out if you do me this favor, because this is how I grow my business, is through referrals and recommendations. So if you would put it in their hand, it would mean a huge amount to me. And I make a point of saying that, rather than just saying, oh, here are some cards. If you if you would give it to somebody, that would be nice. It's a bit too 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 lame, you know. When I'm sort of speak from the heart and say, look, you know, I'd really value, I would ge- genuinely value it if you did this. It would mean a lot to me. Okay, so two tips there. On the one hand, uh, don't just leave it up to chance for people to refer you because they may not or they may, but more than likely they'll forget once the training is over. Secondly, give them some kind of structure so that there's a, a bit of challenge, solution, results, thinking of what uh, happened before you came in, the the solution that you gave them, and the results. More importantly of what they've um, achieved or can achieve or will achieve on the back of the training. And finally, uh, actually ask someone 
literally say to them, it would help me help my business because this is how I generate uh, my business. This is how it helps me. And you'd be helping me if you could actually uh, put this in the hands of someone who could uh, benefit from train my training in the same way that you have, something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the power of referrals is crucial. We all would love to believe that people land on the website. Maybe they do, you know, <laughs> yeah. through, through ads or Facebook ads or Google ads. But uh, the, the holy grail is referral where we almost have people who are evangelizing on our behalf and, and therefore marketing. Because I think it was Robert Cialdini in his book, Persuasion, talks about the power of having people literally um, persuading others before you ever have to, have to open your mouth. It's, ha- it's having that network of people who can actually evangelize and talk on your behalf. So how do you cultivate that? That's a, that's a great question. So um, something else you do quite well is you come across very well in video. Obviously, you've worked for a brand you mentioned, working voices who excel in, in training people in terms of um, public speaking. What, what are your tips for someone who is maybe, you know, self-conscious about appearing on video, but is somehow thinking, I could actually, I could benefit from from having people see me on camera, in YouTube, on LinkedIn, or wherever? What would your tips be to get up that kind of confidence to to do it? And why should they do it? Uh, great question. First things first, start studying videography, or at least um, the media media training, you could say. Start studying that. You don't even need to spend money. Go to YouTube, right? There's like a thousand people on there who are showing you how to make great video. Type in video cameras, video lighting, green screen, microphones. I mean, you'll have... You'll have People just giving you hours of reviews on the hardware, the software, the approach, the setup, the skills, the do's and the don'ts. So in today's world, as far as I'm concerned, there's no excuse to say, yeah, but I don't know how to make a good video. Or I don't know how to come across well. All the information is there. It's all free. It's all available. Um, so <clears throat> study it. Like Just get curious. So when I was living in, in Thailand, I, I bought... Um, uh, a video camera there and some lights and I bought the wrong lights and I tried to do it myself and it just looked weird and dark and I got the focus wrong and then I started I bought a $20 mic and started playing around with that downloaded some <clears throat> video production software I went down the route of right I'm going to try and learn the whole thing um, but again nowadays you don't need to do that you can go to upwork.com and you can find a video editor in Estonia for $10 an hour who's an amazing video editor so you just send him or her the raw footage and they'll put music to it and a logo and all the rest of it <clears throat> in terms of actually developing the skills in yourself I think the best thing is to start videoing yourself because when I'm doing presentation skills training I'm there with my camera you know and and that's the feedback because when some because either someone thinks they're awful but actually they're not as bad as they think or other times people think they're fantastic but actually there's some major things they need to be aware of either way when you see yourself and hear yourself the feedback's immediate it's like oh god i sound really quiet oh god i sound flat i just sound bored or i'm actually better than i think i am or or actually you know that's not as bad as i thought that's pretty good i thought i was horrible and but actually it's pretty good so i would just say practice practice get you know um you might want to invest into a camera, but uh, I mean, you could look at, I mean, there's so many options. You could go to a studio where they could just handle all the lighting and the, that, and if they can just give you some coaching. But I would say practice to begin with on your phone. There's also a guy called James Wedmore. James Wedmore, does that ring a bell with you? James Wedmore, um, I've met him before in California, Laguna Beach, uh, four year, three years ago. And um, he began by teaching people 
uh, how to well run their own bar. I think was outsourcing bars for parties. But he he then became an expert on how to use YouTube and, and produce videos. And he teaches people all over the world online. JamesWedmoreTraining.com. I think I'll include the link by the way in the show notes for the podcast episode today. But um, he teaches people how to you know build a brand on YouTube. So so that comes to mind. Um, and then of course you mentioned the point that people don't have to do this themselves entirely. They can outsource to people on on Upwork or 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 Fiverr. There are a range of opportunities out there. People who can actually help you take this stuff off your mind. So it doesn't have to be technical, right? You don't have to be technical, but it, it's having that confidence to 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 stand on front of camera, screw up. Uh, get some feedback immediately from what you see and then to just literally do it again, do it again, do it again. Um, and with a good editor as well, you can just mess things up as many times as you like. As long as you start the sentence clearly and end it clearly, they can chop and change it and no one will ever know. And they'll just segment it all together and they go, oh my God, how did you how did you say all of that without one arm or er or mistake? You're like, okay, yeah, that's not exactly how it went in the studio. So coming back to business for a sec, have there been business opportunities over the year which you've, of years which you've uh, willingly turned down and why? Yes, mm-hmm. I can think of certainly one organization. Um, you don't have to name them, it's okay. No, I certainly won't. I certainly won't. I'll just, I'll just stay away from that. I was just thinking back, I was just taking my mind back to to that time and what it was that really um, sort of um, prompted me to, to say thanks, but no thanks. I mean, the reason I'm asking you this is that because someone might listen to this and think, you know what, <clears throat> Tim's got a great tip there. Actually, that's what I should be looking out for so I don't end up working with organizations that kind of, you know, uh, just... Psh- they, they, they wear me down or I don't feel good about the yeah, work. Yeah, I think it was exactly, it was around about that. It was that it felt like everything I wanted to offer and suggest was, was a battle and it had to be sold to so many stakeholders and then it was de- debated and then even when we got it, it, it was, everything was a slog and there was, I think it was a lot of politics going on in the, in the organization um, and it just, it basically, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. I mean, the actual end people who came to the trainings, you know, they were like, nice people, fine, they were fine. But um, the management who I, was, who I needed to sort of interact with and the politics that was going on, it was like, this is just tiring. And uh, yeah. And then I was, I was fortunate enough to have been working with some other companies at that time who were just like, just loved what I did and couldn't wait to see me again. And were like, yeah, great. Oh, when can you? I was like, what am I doing? Like, that's what I want, like, you know? And I know what I was doing. I was know what I was doing. I, I was looking at the, uh, the pounds. I was like, yeah, but that's, that's three grand, but that's five grand, but that's two grand, but that's another four grand. And I was just, that's, I was selling myself really to, to, that, to that income um, and, and then resenting myself for doing it. And so there was an element where I just had, there was a moment where I just had to say, right, okay, yes, it is a loss of income. Yes, it is. And I'm choosing to do this for my own well-being, for my own happiness, because I need to keep filling my cup. Because as a trainer and, and as any trainer listening knows, you, that's a hell of a job, isn't it? You are emptying your cup. You are giving yourself to that audience and it's tiring. And if you're doing it well, you're, you're, you're shattered at the end of a day because you you've given your heart and soul to that. And so, you know, where... Where are you filling the cup? Where are you taking care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, in terms of your clients, in terms of you know your work-life balance, in terms of the people you're spending time with? And if you're spending time, if you're working for clients who you who make you feel low, heavy, stressed, resentful, 
that's harming that's actually harming your good clients because some of that could be carrying over into them yeah that's a, that's a very good point actually it, it, that you're not fully charged if work is wearing you down even if there is a nice paycheck uh there, there is a kind of a well, there's a knock-on, isn't there, somewhere? And that at some point then you're not the, the, the full product that people are paying for. So it's very important to show up on the soul and to take time out. And of course, maybe that's where NLP comes in, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, you know, it's charging yourself up and being conscious of what you tell yourself and, and what you're worth. And if you're conscious of what you're worth, you're going to steer yourself towards the kinds of work which more, are more aligned or projects which are more aligned with your values. So what has been your best mistake to date looking back on your career so far, which is by no means over, by the way, but so far, what has been your best mistake to date if you could look back and, and uh, with the power of, of, of uh, retrospective? Something that hit me pretty hard is I came back from Phuket where I was a bit of a, I'll use the term, superstar. <laughs> I was okay. very well known in Phuket. <laughs> and okay, I say it a bit tongue in cheek, but I was very well known and I got endless work and endless referrals. And it was like, oh, if you've got uh, you know, an issue, like, I'll go and see Tim. Yeah, people, just my name was very well known there. And so, of course, that inflated my ego and my sense of self-confidence and my sense of self-value. And then I came back to the UK uh, with a... With a uh, a pregnant fiance and the clock's ticking and suddenly I need to provide, I need to get something off the ground pronto. And no one really knew me, even though I hadn't been living here for eight years. And um, so I was like, well, no problem, because I know what I'm doing and I know I've got these great techniques which I've been developing and evolving. So um, there must be, there's loads of coaches, therapists, psychotherapists, counselors here. And so I, I reached out to 120 something different coaches, therapists, practitioners from all around Warwickshire and sent them all personal emails and left phone messages. And I thought, great, I'm going to fill uh, a, a hotel room and I'm going to start training. The, I'm going to start training the trainers, training the coaches, and it's going to be great. And I sent out all this information and then hired a room and booked it. And, um, you know, I was expecting a good 60, 70, 80 people. And I think, I think eight people turned up and I wasn't experienced as a trainer. So suddenly I went from coach to trainer and I was fumbling my words and I was, uh, someone asked me about pricing and I wasn't prepared for it. And it was, splurting out the price of the oh it just it just and then they were like oh thanks you know we'll, we'll think about it thanks anyway and that really hit, knocks me and i was like oh wow okay so i thought people are gonna be running towards me saying wow tell us your amazing techniques you're getting these amazing results and uh, as far as i could see people were saying well look, i've got my own methodology um whether it's coaching or counseling or psychotherapy or whatever it is um we don't need what you've got um but yeah, I might come, might come along if I'm interested. Certainly, I don't think I'm going to pay any money for it, but I might come along and listen to you. And and uh, uh, what was the lesson from that? Um, it's tough, isn't it? You know, you, you, it's this it's this sudden landing on on Earth. You, you're you're in the clouds for a while, and all of a sudden you realise actually, um, uh, no one no one needs me, or or perhaps there's a <laughs> there's a better way to market myself. And then it was then it was the the fear was like. Do I have to get like a j j j j j job? <laughs> Do I have to go like work for somebody? Because I spent eight years following my passion in Thailand. Do I need to go and get like a sort of sales job somewhere? Or, you know, like sort of needs must. Uh, but then I was <clears throat> spent several weeks and months like just reaching out to anyone I could. And then I, I remembered there was, a, there was a guy who I'd met on an NLP training actually in, in London in 2008. 
So this was like five years previous and we'd stayed in touch and we'd had always had a laugh together and I reached out to him and I was like, hey, Paul, what are you up to? And he was like, oh, good to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm working for this company in London. They do like communication skills training and leadership stuff and they're in London. They work with the banks and I was like, oh my God, that sounds good. And that was that was my introduction to Working Voices. So, because what you're saying there actually is something I can relate to absolutely uh, in fact, even even worse, because I, I ran an event once where I, I presumed I'd simply put this thing up on the web and people would, would literally knock down the door. And I went out, I'd booked this expensive room, and I'd organized uh, croissant and pastries and, and really good coffee, and one person turned up. And there were, there were 40 people who'd said they would come along. And you know the mistake I made? I didn't charge for it. That's the mistake I made. And I've seen this again and again from other people's lessons, and they've confirmed to me, and this is important if you're listening to this, is if you don't charge for things, people don't value things. And therefore, don't be surprised when people don't value you. That's the harsh lesson, isn't it? Couldn't agree more. It's scary because you've now realized, you've just put yourself out there, you've uh, organized an event, not only have you the, the bills to pay, you now have this awful inner voice in you saying, dum-dum, you've screwed up, uh, what are you going to do better next time? And what do you do? There's a feeling of desperation. So if this has happened to you, you're listening to this right now, take it as a lesson. Take it as nothing more than a lesson. It's not something you're going to repeat. But there are people out there, courses online that will help you to market yourself better. But the one thing I would take away from this, and I think you'd agree with Tim, is that giving people your time for free, giving them an event for free, devalues you and therefore, we can't be surprised when people ask for discounts or simply don't turn up or do anything with your brand. They don't engage. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that's been your best mistake. <laughs> Maybe your worst mistake in some way. Well, I think it helped me realize pretty quickly that the B2C market is a much tougher sale. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In that sense. Um, Good point. And the, the B2B, you know, businesses have got money. They've got budget and they've got targets and deadlines and objectives and growth ambitions. And they need to invest in their people. Uh, they need to. They, they know they need to. Um, and so to me, that's, that is the path of least resistance. Um, you know, most people know they should work on themselves and, and I should work on myself and all that stuff. But that, that's money out of my pocket. You know, that, it gets emotional pretty quickly uh, versus someone spending the company part of the company's training budget. Well, it's not their money. Uh, and we need a good trainer anyway. So that's a great point that that a great place to start is to is to market yourself as a training business owner, as a trainer to businesses. And then in time, uh, on the back of that, if you want to go down that path, market yourself directly to the public, B2C. But B2B is the way to go. So before we wrap up here then, I'm curious about the direction you hope to take the training business in. Inner Leader, I love the logo, by the way, the fish all swimming together. Um, thinking of that and the direction in which your fish are going or you're going, where would you like to be, let's say, three, four years from now? And how will you know when you get there? Mm. I would like to have a team of, I would say, around 10 high-quality trainers who I have personally coached, trained, invested into, developed, polished, um, and 
be delivering a lot more of of what we deliver to to uh, a wider audience to be able to cater for uh, businesses with with uh, bigger numbers. Um, so that's one part of what I'd like to keep doing. So that's very much focused on the communication skills uh, because I believe we do it incredibly well. Uh, and the, the trainers who I work with at the moment who are associates to the business are outstanding. And I, I love that. I love working with people who are incredibly good at what they do and also helping them to be better because that brings out the coach in me, which is you know wanting to help, to help people to, to develop. Uh, and I'm also very interested in, in empowerment and moving also into experiences that build empowerment, courage, self-belief through experiences rather than through coaching and through trainings. Uh, things that involve getting the heart racing, breaking boards with your hands, walking over broken glass with your bare feet snapping arrows with your throat. So, so the, these are all tests which prospective associate trainers are going to have to do, right? You have to walk over coals. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, that'd be the first round. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, what, what, what kinds of qualities like, would you look for in, in people who, you know, would be interested in working with you with Inner Leader as an associate? So it's, it is people who have got some charisma about them uh the people who are passionate people who know how to speak well and articulate themselves well and also who are humble enough to know how to listen and really connect with other people uh pure talkers need not apply but people who can who are communicators because of course communication is speaking and listening listening and speaking um, rather than just getting up and talking. Too many trainers I've met are great talkers and tellers and they end up sending people into trance. Um, people who are, who, people who are, people who have, have a, one of my key values is, well, two of my key values are passion and excellence. It's very, very passionate. Whatever I do, I mean, you know me, Mark, whatever I do, I get very animated, very, very, you know, I do everything with this type of energy. It's just not who I am. So I get very passionate about what I do. And I, I also have a very high standard for excellence. So I, 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 anything I put my name to, or anything that one of my associate trainers puts their name to, I want, it, I want them to be as prepared as possible to deliver excellence so that their audience goes, wow, that was the best training we have ever, ever had. Uh, so I think those are, the, those are the qualities. People who, who have passion, who enjoy communicating, want to grow, uh, and also somebody who would value being further developed by me. Because you know, not everyone is. Not everyone is interested in, you know, some people consider themselves the, the polished article, you know. Yeah, you want someone who's coachable and is willing to learn and to listen. Exactly. Okay. So finally then, if we say three years from now, you've got 10 trainers, anything else you'd like to see on the horizon? Uh, where inner leader would like to be internationally or or nationally? No, not internationally. That doesn't appeal to me. I think it's more nationally. And something that I would very much like to start developing is working with schools um, and working with, in particular, I would say teenagers. They were very rocky years for me. And of course, we keep hearing in the media about mass anxiety levels and depression and suicide and tensions from social media and all these various things. And that really calls me in terms of, you know, imagine if we were learning the skills that you and I know at 16, at 13, at 19, you know, when you just haven't 
clue you know and you don't want to listen to your parents and you're sick of hearing from the teachers and you've got no tools and you know it's like what do you do so that's something that i would very much like to develop in the company is is um uh developing you know, more of a presence and even working with people in in education to bring these communication skills uh in um and that's no, not so much of a commercial venture more of a um, sort of social social venture, right? Okay, but but giving back to society what you've what you've got from society. So that kind of way that brings us back full circle to NLP, which is 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 a tool. It's it's giving people a tool which can help them to to lead themselves to be an inner leader. Absolutely. Okay. Well, listen, Tim, it's been wonderful talking to you this evening. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and I'll leave any links that you've uh, given us. Um, ideas about in the show notes and on behalf of the audience it's been wonderful talking to you thank you mark thank you you're a fantastic interviewer really enjoyed it thank you and that's a wrap thanks so much for your time again this week in dropping by i know it's nearly an hour out of your time every week but i i'm confident that these episodes are beneficial to you and to your training business, helping you to start to grow and to scale your training business. So every week, as I said uh, on other episodes, and we'll say again, we have a guest on the show, or it's just you and I. And this is episode 44. You can find episodes every single week on iTunes, on Spotify, and on Stitcher. And I look forward to receiving and continue to receiving the feedback which I get from you via email to markghays at gmail.com. I welcome from you feedback on the episodes we've had as well as suggestions with regards to the kinds of content which you would like to have either from me or from guests to the show. So if there's anything you can think of, be it in the area of maybe legal uh, topics or marketing or sales or some kind of lead generation, or any techniques in any of those areas. In fact, anything you can think of, I am more than willing to listen to your suggestions and do my very best to get the kinds of people on the show who can help you in those specific areas. So all that remains for me to say is thank you again for your listenership, for your continued loyalty, and I look forward to having you back again next Thursday for another episode of the podcast. Until then... Have a great training week. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.